Welcome back to Shandi. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing a moving picture, sharing some motivational tips, and introducing a fun new segment that you won't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of entertainment and inspiration. Welcome back to Shandi. I'm your host, Katu. Today, I want to talk about overcoming obstacles. This is something that I think is really important just in general for achieving your goals and also living a fulfilling life. And the other day I read this article called Overcoming Obstacles, Lamau, uh, Strategies, Tips and Advice for 2023, and it was written by Rachel Harps. So she did make like a couple of points and I'm not going to go through all of them, but they are a few that I wanted to touch on because I think they resonate the most with me slash you, my listener. So most importantly, make a plan. Whenever you want to do something, it's like very important (laughs) to make a plan. And you know, everyone says, make a plan, write a list, blah, 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 do all that stuff. But a lot of the times I find that I struggle, especially if it's like something really big, like a very big goal, I struggle to look at the little steps that's going to help me get to the big goal. So when you write your list, literally be as like granular as possible. And that would help with literally visualizing yourself getting to that goal or alternatively overcoming that obstacle. And it's just one of the things that I've started doing that's really helped me especially, you know, with the amount of things that everyone has going on and responsibilities and all that stuff, making a plan, top tip. Next, asking for help. (laughs) Personally, I do think very highly of myself. I do think that I can do anything I put my mind to. And as much as that is true, it's also important to understand that you are not a machine you're you're not AI, though, which is something that we probably need to discuss on this podcast. But anyways, that's another episode. It's important to ask for help because sometimes getting that outside perspective can really help and it can, you know, improve how you do things and why you do things and that sort of thing. So definitely, excuse me, ask for help. Three, hype yourself up. Literally, your biggest fan should 110% be yourself because you, it's easier, like, I feel like it's a two-sided coin. Like, it's very easy to be very full of yourself and proud, okay, full of yourself is not the right way to put it, but it's easy to be, you know, very confident in yourself But it's also super easy to have a lot of, you know, self-doubt, you know, um, imposter syndrome and that sort of thing. So it's like tiptoeing that fine line and that like non-linear relationship between how much you hype yourself up and how much you tear yourself down. Um, I've seen a lot of people have be like on the far sides. What is it called? The opposite sides of those two 
things. Like either the person's like super confident the one day and then the other day it's like, damn, I am the worst human being in the entire world. And, you know, there are a lot of other people who can take that title away from you, rightfully so. So I would definitely say that you're not the worst human being in the entire world. In fact, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to say that you're the best, but what I can say is that you should call yourself the best. You should constantly talk to yourself every day and be like, yeah, I am the one, I'm the boss, I'm the bra. That's what you should be doing. And that will help you with little things. And we're going to go over confidence again in another episode coming soon. But basically just hype yourself up. That's the short way of saying it. And next tip would be, which is number four, would be improve your skills. Um, as previously said, I do think I am, well, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best, but like I'm good at what I do. I am confident in my skills, but at the same time, I don't know everything. So whatever I don't know, I Google. If I ever come to a problem or a situation or something that I'm just like vaguely confused in, I Google it first and I try and figure out what I can. And if it's still like, mm, don't really know what's going on here, then that's when I'll ask for help. See, tip two, asking for help. See how that ties in? You see that? So improve your skills. You are not perfect. You don't know everything. That's fine. But knowing that you're not perfect and knowing that you have things to improve on, that's the step. That's what you need to focus on. Now, Final tip, pivot. Sometimes things don't work and that's okay. Not even sometimes, probably nine times out of 10, things do not go the way you can expect. And that's absolutely fine. Unless you're like a pessimist or something and you always think something bad's gonna happen, then that's a big yikes and you should kind of rethink that. But basically, yeah, just pivot. It's okay that, you know, Things are just going very sideways and not straight ahead like you thought. It's normal. It's life. It's what happens. But as long as you're able to, you know, be agile and adapt to the situation, you're going to be fine. 110%, you're going to be fine. Generally speaking with these tips, I believe that the key is not to give up and just to keep pushing forward. And I know that everyone says that and people say it because it's true, you know, it's mad important that you just keep going one step at a time. Even if it's like, you know, everyone has different situations going on and everyone is thinking different things as you're hearing what I'm saying. It's just a matter of applying it to your situation and understanding that whatever step you take every day, it will get you there. Whether you take a step every day, every two days, every three days, just make sure that you're taking tangible steps. Personally, an obstacle that I often have is time. Time is infinite, of course, mainly because we kind of just made it up. And secondly, time is also finite. Like our time on earth, finite for sure. And that, honest to God, stresses me. But I also just try not to think about it. <laughs> like there are so many things that I want to do and so many responsibilities that I have outside of my full-time job which is really unfortunate, not the job. I mean, like 
the amount of things I have to do. I love my job for real, for real. I genuinely love my job. And so my time is extremely valuable to me. And whatever I do with my time, 110%, it'll always be something that I really want to do. Like, or something that like brings me some sort of joy. And the way I also try and save my time is by prioritizing and being realistic with myself. There have been times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do like all this work in like three hours. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, do that. And then the next four hours, I'm just going to like play games. And then, bruh, be serious. Be real. There are a lot of times where you're just like, you want to squeeze in as much as possible in like a couple of hours. And depending on what you're doing, that probably is possible. But at the same time, you have to consider that you need breaks. You need brain breaks. Like your head literally needs to think. So that's where I've, you know, grown a lot as a person is realizing that it's okay that I can't do as much. I would, sorry, it's okay that I can't do as much as what I could have done, especially when I didn't have a full-time job. So just being real with myself and prioritizing what's important, prioritizing what pays the bills and not giving up and pushing forward. That's how I've been overcoming my obstacles. And to help you stay motivated, you know, I want to leave you with a quote from Henry Ford. He said, obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off your goal. So this to me, basically just look at your goal, look at it, make eye contact with it, go to it. Whatever is between you and your goal, you sort it out. You got it. You just, either you go through, you go under, you go sideways, you go diagonal, you go left, right, up, down. One of those, just go. So remember, overcoming obstacles is a journey. It takes time. It takes effort. But with the right mindset and strategies, you can achieve your goals and live a fulfilling life. Okay, so today we'll be reviewing Knock at the Cabin by M. Night Shyamalan. Now, let's let's get into the basics. Knock at the Cabin is a mystery horror that was released on the 3rd of February this year, and it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It stars Dave Bautista, Rupert Grint, Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge. The plot of the movie is basically a group of random strangers plead to get inside a cabin occupied by a family of three. Now, this description is very vague because, of course, me being me, I went into the movie not knowing anything, mainly because I didn't want to know anything. As you know, I don't like watching trailers, looking at posters, that sort of thing. And before I give you my initial thoughts, it's important to note that Knock at the Cabin is adapted from a horror novel written by Paul Tremblay in 2018. And the name of the novel is Cabin at the End of the World. And also to note that M. Night Shyamalan is well known for having huge twists in his movies. Now, let's get into Knock at the Cabin. Overall, I genuinely think that it was just really underdeveloped in terms of like storytelling. I don't tell anyone but I fell asleep when I was watching it in the theater and I am disappointed in myself mainly because why would you pay money for a movie and then go fall asleep I think 
I don't know. I'm not going to excuse myself, but like, I don't know whether that's on me or if it's on the movie. I'd just like to preface this review with that. Now, the basic premise is that four strangers take part in a home invasion of a couple and their child. The four strangers tell the family that they have to choose which of the three in the family will die in order to save the entire world from an apocalypse. <laughs> okay. So, while watching, because I didn't read the movie description and stuff, when you see Dave Batista come in and, like, talking to this little girl outside a cabin and they're just having a conversation and he's being, like, really vague about why he's there, that sort of thing. And then the four others came, the four others, the three other people came, and then the little girl ran inside the house and told her fathers that she was like, uh, there are people outside and they have weapons and they're scary. Please make them go away. So there's like this very like weird, uncomfortable tension in the beginning where you're kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why? It's just really like eerie. And... It left me feeling very like, bro, can you not? Like, it was just, there was a lot of like, you know when tension is so thick, you could like cut it with a knife? Like, I never really, I always heard that saying when I was always just like, okay, bro, we get it. It was really tense. But generally speaking, it was mad tense. And like... I think it was mainly because I was just really confused as to why these four seemingly random people who didn't even know each other somehow got together and came to tell this family one of them must die to save the world. Although I do think it is trying to ask like a bigger question about what you're willing to do for the world and what you're willing to do for yourself, whether you're a selfless person or a selfish person. And also taking into account the reasons why you would do certain things. Now, one of the things that I did like about the movie was the unique shots. They were like super close-ups to like medium shots. And then also kind of different ones where you had the subject in the bottom corner. It made it seem like the story was never really about the individuals, but about the space around them that contributed to their situation. And the acting was really, personally, I think the acting was great. From the husbands to the four strangers, specifically Dave Batista, guys, I mean, folks, this guy, Ne, I must say, he has like so many different roles and He's been acting for so long. It's really refreshing how flawlessly he takes on any role he's in. Like he 110% always steals the show for me. And it's really amazing because, you know, I think people don't really expect much of him because of his past being a wrestler. And, you know, people always have these connotations about big, strong, muscly people not being very smart. Um, and that first of all I don't like stereotypes they're mad dumb so seeing him constantly like break out of that mold that people have made for him 
is so refreshing and I would probably watch anything Dave Batista is in. Anyways, on to the cinematography. I think it was really freaking cool in some places, like very stunning. Like there was this one scene, if you've already watched the movie, there's this one scene with Sabrina and the husband. They're in the bathroom and there's like this warm sunlight that's like shining on Sabrina, who's one of the four strangers that came to, you know, tell the family one of you got to die. And then the bathroom itself was like these this cold blue tiles with like this beautiful pattern on it and you know it was really like blue and dark by the husband's face but then sorry I'm really blanking on this guy's name and then with Sabrina she had like that warm sunlight shining on her so it was kind of interesting to see how it made her look like a savior even though she's coming to tell people hey one of you needs to die compared to the really dark and menacing like blue but maybe not menacing it was kind of cool on god okay look when you watch it you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it's just unfortunately it's kind of difficult to explain in a way that you get what i mean but basically it showed their external conflict pretty well in my opinion now however there were also like some things that I didn't like about knock at the cabin and something that didn't work was the overall story my goodness like it just fell really flat and they could have done more explaining or more foundation work just to make it not seem so up in the air I don't want to get into it too much because, as you know, we don't do spoilers on Shandi, but it just felt it felt really forced in some places. Like at one point, um, one of the characters, excuse me, he tried to like explain the entire movie in one sentence. And I was like, no, no, you are not doing that because that does not make sense. You can't just say this one half-assed sentence And then that is what ties everything together. Stop that. Not a fan. And it just, basically, there was no, they tried to explain the apocalypse situation and tried to explain how things happened, like through the dialogue, which is, of course, a way that you can do that. But it was just too vague I think there just wasn't enough like foundation like a solid foundation to really like build on maybe if in the beginning they started with like a like a preface you know how some movies like Star Wars how they have the words come up before the movie to explain like certain things so I think if they did that that would definitely help the story more like just to explain maybe some history or myth or what 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 something like that because Stuff like this where you don't really know the whole story only works with movies like The Thing or The Mist where you're not sure what the actual external conflict is. So you're just there trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, what could be like, the what's the scary thing that's out there? 
But in this, you're told everything kind of from the beginning, but you're also not told enough to like really, you know, really get you invested. Um, yeah. And the pacing of the movie was slow. I think it could have been faster in terms of the dialogue. Sometimes just listening to people talk, she says as she's making a podcast episode, sometimes listening to people talk is mad boring, like, okay, can you like get to the point type of thing? And I didn't really care about the husbands and, you know, their little like love stories and stuff like that. Just, like, I think mainly because I came for a horror mystery movie and what I got was more like a drama a drama not even it's not even like close to a thriller so I think maybe it's taking the horror aspect in like a different way of trying to decide who you would want to give up to save the world basically like would you choose yourself or would you choose your spouse or would you choose your child I think that's where the horror part comes in and that is a pretty difficult question it reminds me of um if you've watched Hunter Hunter, it's an anime. There's in season one, there's this obstacle that the characters have to overcome. It's basically like a quiz to get to the next round of this Hunter Hunter test. And wait, no, it's just a Hunter test. Sorry, just one Hunter. And they have to answer this like really moral, ethical question. And then, of course, the one really smart character got it, but other ones were like, what? And, you know, it just kind of reminded me of that a little bit. But, yeah, I understand why they showed the background of the couple and, like, their stories and stuff. You know, it makes us question who will be sacrificed and why. And it's interesting to see who did get sacrificed in the end. And also, they changed the ending from... The book they changed it compared to the movie and the original author wasn't a fan of the change of course because i mean it's his source material so it makes sense that he would think that his is better i also think that the book's ending is better i didn't read the book but i read what the ending was and i think that is better because that really ties in like the horror part of it but of course me being me i'm not going to say much more because we don't do spoilers on shandy and with that being said i would give knock at the cabin a really sad five out of ten very unfortunate because i love 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 horror mystery psychological thriller you know anything that just that gets the bumps goosing you know what i'm saying any of that love it but yeah, it was just really disappointing, and I don't know if I would recommend it. I would recommend it to watch Dave Batista because I think he did a stellar job, and I think, you know, the movie does also touch on very important points about queerphobia and what small things that heterosexual people take for granted when it comes to their life, you know, getting married, adopting children, um, enjoying being out with your loved one without people harassing you, like that sort of thing. So, yeah, it definitely has its merits, but I 
was overall disappointed by the lack of like foundation storytelling and that sort of thing. Okay, so a new part of Shandi that I really wanted to introduce was the miscellaneous segment. And this segment can consist of, you know, a top five list, industry news, behind the actor, watch list, fact or fiction, and soundtrack related content. And for this week's episode, I'm going to do top five must-see black directed movies curated by me. So we're going to, these are not in order, by the way. We're going to start with Nope by Jordan Peele. I truly am a very big fan of Jordan Peele. I've been watching him since Key and Peele, and he is just hilarious. I love his work, and I think it's great to see what he came from to what he is now, and just the content of his movies just really speak to how much he's grown as a creative, and it's really cool to see that. On IMDb, the rating is 6.9 out of 10, which of course I don't agree with because... And the description for this movie is, The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. See how vague that is? Personally, I love that. I love how vague that is. And I would definitely recommend watching it wherever you can find it. I think it's on Peacock right now. But yeah, definitely recommend it. Next movie. Of course I'm going to say this movie. Black Panther by Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler has directed a bunch of other things. And Black Panther was probably one of my favorite Marvel movies ever. Not because of superhero stuff, I guess. I love Marvel. I am a Marvel fan. But I'm definitely not like a Marvel light or anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I haven't read the comics. I look, let me even let me let me lay it down for you. I did not even know that the Black Panther as a character existed before I watched the movie. When I watched, it, I was like, I don't know what is going on. I'm very fresh. I don't know anything. I only I think I only knew him because of pretty sure he's in one of the Captain America movies or something. Yeah, that was how I knew him. I was like, oh, look, a cat. And then I watched the movie and I cried because it is the first time I've seen, you know, culture from Namibia in a blockbuster movie. Like, you know, you you don't get stuff like that. You don't get a lot of representation for black people, let alone Namibians. We're a very small country in terms of like the people, not how big the actual country is. Our country is pretty big, but our population is very small. I think we're like close to 3 million now for the whole country. And, you know, seeing us being represented by this one character, not even like T'Challa himself, like this one character, She's like not even supporting class. She's basically almost like an extra. But seeing her, when I watched this in the movie theater back at home, it's the way we all screamed. Like everyone was like, oh my God, whoa, what the, oh. It was, I'll never forget that moment. It was so cool. Anyways, for those of you who don't know, Black Panther is about T'Challa, heir to a hidden but advanced kingdom of Wakanda, 
must step forward to lead his people into a new future and must confront a challenger from his country's past. The IMDb rating for this is 7.3 out of 10, which, once again, I probably don't agree with that, but, you know, everyone has their their thing, I guess. Next movie is Judas and the Black Messiah by Shaka King. First of all, okay, you know what? No, let me not even get into it. Let me just, the description for Judas and the Black Messiah is, when offered a plea deal by the FBI, William O'Neill infiltrates the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party to gather intelligence on Chairman Fred Hampton. Now, I would like to note that Daniel Kaluuya is in all three of the movies I just mentioned, and he's going to be in the next one I'm going to mention. And I don't know what that speaks to, but I love Daniel Kaluuya. I think he's amazing in whatever role he takes on. He's not in a very big role in Black Panther, but in Nope, he's the main character. In Judas and the Black Messiah, he's kind of supporting character. And in Queen and Slim, he's the main character. Okay, wait, I just spoiled the next movie, but it's Queen and Slim. Now, Judas and the Black Messiah is really interesting. It is based on true events. Um, I watched it, and it's on HBO Max. I loved it. I think it was really interesting, and I didn't want to, like, stop watching. Like, I was getting tired, you know? You know when your eyes are like, okay, I think it's time for you to go to bed, and your brain's like, no, I will not be doing that. That's how I felt when I was watching it. Uh, oh, yes, and Black Panther is on Disney+. Plus. Next movie, Queen and Slim by Melina Matsukas. A couple's first date takes an unexpected turn when a police officer pulls them over. 7.1 out of 10. Yep, just definitely a must-see. I hear a lot about it. I actually haven't watched it myself. Funny. But I do know that I am going to watch it. And I've heard really, really, really good things about it. And I'm not surprised because guess who's in it? Daniel Kaluuya. And that's all I have to say on that. Last but not least, Black Klansman by Spike Lee. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado Springs, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan branch with the help of a Jewish surrogate who eventually becomes its leader based on actual events. Um, I think I watched this when it first came out, and I was just like, what is happening? It's low-key funny. Like, it definitely has, like, a lot of good comedic timing. Um, I think it definitely is a must-watch, mainly because of the actual events. Of course, I'm not sure what's true and what's, you know, not, but I would definitely recommend it. It's a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. And where can you watch Black Handsman? I'm actually not sure. Maybe HBO Max? I don't know. But a quick Google, and you'll figure it out. So that's it for this week's episode. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Don't forget to follow Shandi on Instagram at shandi.pod and on Twitter at shandi underscore pod for more updates and behind-the-scenes content. See you in the next episode.